Man, it's, it's great to see everyone here this morning. You know, I'm on a mission this morning. We're, we're taking a, a break from our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ephesians. And my mission this morning is to prepare your heart for Thanksgiving. How about that? How about that? Y'all, y'all want to do that? You know, there's, there's benefits to being a Christian. In other words, there's, there's substance. And what I want to do this morning is, is you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalms 103. We're looking at Psalms 103, verses 1 through 12. But I want to give you substance. I want to show you the benefits of being a believer in Jesus Christ. There's, there's benefits. Um, the title of my message this morning, I titled it, it's called Remembering All His Benefits. And we're going to go to uh, Psalms 103, we're looking at verses 1 through 12. And just one of the, the fascinating things I found this week as I was studying Psalms 103, and one of the reasons I love studying the book of Psalms, is we are looking at the words that have been sung for over almost 3,000 years. Some of, these, some of these psalms, the disciples sing. Some of them, Jesus sung. But they've been, they've been, they, they, they're so rich, they're so deep in theology that um, they're just a, a treasure a treasure to enrich our hearts. And the book of Psalms is, it's, it's, a, it's a book meant to project us in worship, to, pro, to project us in worship of the king. Psalms 103 is, is pure praise, it's pure adoration, it's pure worship. I went and looked on, uh, I think it's called hymology.com. It's hymsomething.com. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have it written down, but um, Psalms 103 and Psalms 23 have produced the most hymns in the history of the church. Psalms 103 that we're looking at this morning has produced 303 hymns. It's second to Psalms 23. Psalms 23 had like 350 or 360. But number two was uh, Psalms 103. So uh, are you you there, Psalms 103? All right. Lord, please bless your word as we go through it, Father. Teach us about being thankful and help us to remember the benefits of being a believer in you, Lord God, and trusting in you. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 12. Look at verse 1. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Y'all have heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again this morning. And, it's the, and the question is this, have you ever talked to yourself? Because that's what David is doing in Psalms 103. He's talking to himself. He's saying, soul, bless the Lord. And there's times in our life where we have to give ourselves a pep talk. We have to encourage us ourselves to, to get up from where we're at and praise the Lord. Exalt his name. And what he's telling his soul to do here, he says, To bless the Lord. What does bless the Lord mean? It's an expression of praise. It's an expression of uh, thanksgiving. It means to recognize God's greatness, his power, his strength, and his grace in our lives. He's worthy to be praised. And we need to, to bless him for that. We need to thank him for that. We need to understand where would you be without Jesus? We would be lost. We would be headed for hell. We would be living in darkness. 
if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ coming into our lives and saving us. And for that alone, we bless him and we thank him for everything he's done. And he continues in verse 1. He says, um, and all that is within me. When I read that phrase, this is what comes to my mind. No half-hearted worship. No half-hearted worship. No half-hearted commitment. Give him everything. Give him everything. Give him your whole life. Give him your worship. Give him your life. Give him your obedience. Give him your praise. Look at what he did for you at the cross. The old, the old hymnal goes, he gave his life for me. I'll give my life for him. He gave it all at Calvary. Jesus and his deity and his omniscience, I can, I can tell you with the authority of the word of God that he had you on his mind. He had you on his mind being God. He gave it all, so let's give it all back to him. Amen? Amen. Verse 2, he says, uh, he, he repeats it. He's reminding himself, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He says, don't forget it. In other words, he's saying here, don't let it slip your mind. It's easy to forget about God's benefits. It's easy sometimes in our life to take them for granted, and we can't do that. We've got to be thankful for his mercies and his grace and his power every day. We've got to remember it, he says in verse 2. Forget not. Don't let it slip out of our minds. And what is it we don't forget? The end of verse 2. All his benefits. Some people say you should expect nothing in return from God. I'm just going to serve God. I'm not going to expect nothing from him. That sounds very pious. That sounds uh, very holy, but it's not biblical. It's not biblical. There are benefits. And I'm going to point out to you five this morning. I, think, I see the benefits of God like Niagara Falls. Who's, who's ever been to Niagara Falls? If you've ever been to Niagara Falls, man, it just envelops the, the the, the waters come over that edge, and they flood, and the mist covers everything. You go down there in the bottom, and you can't see nothing. That's what it's like being in the presence of the Lord. That's what it's like um, his blessings are. If I went through the Bible and counted all the blessings, I, I, I would be here for the next year. If I went through every single Bible verse and counted all the blessings of being in Christ. But for the sake of time this morning... And for y'all to have lunch at a decent time and not, and not be here all day long and all night, we're just going to look at five benefits in Psalms 103. So let's look at the first one, verse 3, the first part of verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities. The first benefit for you to be thankful for this morning is if, if, you're a believer, if you're a believer in Christ, if you're not a believer in Christ, you're not forgiven. But if you're a believer in Jesus and you've received him as your Lord and Savior, my friend, you are forgiven. If you have, as that old psalmist goes, if you have surveyed the wondrous cross and put your faith and put your trust in the old rugged cross, you are forgiven of all sin. And for that alone, we praise him. This past Wednesday night in men's Bible study, we were looking, uh, we're, we're having a, a, an amazing study on Wednesday night. We have begun the book of Isaiah. Now, we're not meeting this Wednesday, so don't come this Wednesday because it's Thanksgiving week. But uh, uh, Jim and Rick and these guys will testify to you that um, we begin the book of Isaiah, and it is amazing. It is just loaded with 
So much theology is so much truth. I don't know if we're going to be able to make it through a chapter each week. And I think, was there, 66 chapters? So we got 66 weeks. So we'll still be in the book of Isaiah in 2020. <laughs> but praise the Lord for that. But anyway, getting back to my point. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, we looked at this uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. This is God's invitation to all men to be forgiven. There's no sin that's so great or so heinous or so dark. There's no sin that Calvary can't cover. There's no sin that he won't forgive when a person repents and puts their trust in Christ and they see that beautiful cross. They're forgi we're forgiven, guys. The slate is clean. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all our sins. He's forgiven. No other religion offers that. That's the unique thing about Christianity. Christianity answers our deepest questions. It answers the deepest questions of where we came from. Why are we here? What happens after death? How do I find forgiveness of sin? Because that's man's greatest need. It's not our self-esteem. It's not our finances. It's how do we find a clean heart and find that relief from the things of the past. And Jesus offers it. So we're forgiven. Number one, first benefit is you're forgiven. And that's what we're, the first thing we're thankful for. He continues, look down at verse 3. He says, who heals all your diseases. The second benefit that I want to present to you this morning to be thankful for is he is our healer. He is the Lord, our healer. What, what does it say in Exodus? He is who? Jehovah, Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Rapha, Exodus 15, 26. I am the Lord that heals you. Now, we live in a world wrecked by sin. We see disease. We see suffering all around us. Why is it there? It's there because of the fall. Adam sinned in the garden. Sin came into the world. And because of sin, uh, death came and, and, and disease came. But for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's two healings that could take place. One of them is, 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 is Stone Cold Lock. And that's the healing that you're going to experience when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. When you receive your new body, when you stand before him, and he gives you a new body that's free from sickness, that's free from disease, that's free from the fall, that new body. But I believe along the way in the Christian life, I believe healing is for today. And I believe healings are drops of heaven along the way. We've seen them in our own body. We have prayed for people here, lifted them up for the Lord, laid hands on them, and we've seen people healed. We've seen people healed. We've seen people's bodies touched. And we praise the Lord for that. So the second reason that we're thankful is that we serve a God who heals, who heals. And not only does he heal our heart, yes and amen, but I also believe uh, he heals our physical body. He brings healing to us. He brings healing to us uh, spiritually, physically, uh, mentally. He transforms everything and makes it like new. So the second benefit for you to be thankful. So when you're, when you're, at, um, you're at the Thanksgiving dinner, 
this coming uh, Thursday with your family, and, and they, they go around a circle, and you can say, you know, what are you thankful for? People don't want to speak up. Hopefully, I'm giving you some nuggets this morning to, for reasons that you can share with your family that you're thankful. Number uh, three is in verse four. He continues in verse four. He says, who redeems your life from destruction. Boy, I got some stories, but we'd be up here all day. If you want to know them, get with me afterwards. But when you come to Christ, when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, here's the third thing to be thankful for. He sets your life on a new course. You're redirected. You're living differently. You're going in a different direction. That's what repentance is. Repentance is is turning from sin, turning from the old way of life by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and turning towards Christ. And And it's not just our spiritual life, but it's the whole life. It's the whole life. He, he reorients the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you live. He, he, uh, he does it all. Before Jesus, I was on a path to destruction. I, was on, I, was on, I, had, I had an appetite for destruction. That's one of my favorite albums was called. I was blinded by sin. And ultimately, before I became a Christ, I was enchained to darkness and to sin and to Satan. I was influenced by him, by the way I was living my life, under the power of the devil, is what the scripture teaches. 1 John 3.8 says, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. One of the reasons Christ came into this world to die on the cross, not only to forgive us of our sins and give us new life, but he also came to deliver us from the power of Satan. You do not have to be enslaved to the old way of life. The chains can be broken. They can be broken. First John 3, the, the, the Son of God appeared for this purpose, it says, to destroy the works of the devil, to break it down, to, to rip it apart from us, the, the old ways of life, the old ways of thinking, the old ways of living. Amazing. Continuing in verse 4, he says, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. There's a beautiful picture here in verse 4 of this um, uh, coronation ceremony. He says, it says, it says, God actually, when you become a believer, he comes down and he crowns you. He places it over you. Loving kindness. What is loving kindness? It's God's committed love. God's committed love over your life. It's God's, uh, God's covenant love over your life. It's his commitment that he has put his loving kindness over you and inside of you. And tender mercies. He says there in verse 4, tender mercies um, speaks of compassion. Speaks of compassion. God understands how we've wrecked our life. He understands the damage that we've done in the past. And he says, I will come in with my compassion and my tender mercies and I will heal your life. I will give you back what the locust has taken. I will restore your life and put you on a new path. This, when, I, when I look at the words um, loving kindness in verse 4 and tender mercies, this is what I see him doing. 
and I've seen him do this with a lot of believers, he heals their heart of hatred. He heals their heart of hatred, of anger, and of unforgiveness, loving kindness, tender mercies, compassion. That's what our God is in the business of doing, and that's what we should be thankful for. Let's look at the fourth benefit. It's in verse 5. He says, he satisfies your mouth with good things. The NASB says he satisfies your mouth with good things. Some of your versions say uh, he satisfies your life. He satisfies uh, your existence with good things. The fourth benefit to be thankful for this morning is this, simply this. God fills your life with good things. God fills your life with good things. It's beyond spiritual, okay? Totally, I'm with you, man. Jesus said you must be born again. He transforms the heart. He changes the heart on the inside. There's new desires, a new heart, a new way of thinking. But it goes beyond the spiritual. It says he satisfies your mouth or your life. I like the, I like the version that say your life with good things. He's talking about physical things. He's talking about this physical, tangible world. What are the things that he blesses us with? The first one that comes to my mind is our family. Man, where would I be without Irene? Oh, my good, Amen. <laughs> where would I be without my family? He blesses us with family. He brings you into other people's lives as a blessing. You are part of what God uses to fill other people's lives and taking care of your children and taking care of your relatives. How about your friends? How many, how many, how many people that you're very close with that is a friend as a direct, relation, a direct result of your relationship with God? I, th- I think about all you guys. And, and I think about Rick and Mary when we met at Panera Bread four years ago and said, we're going to start a Calvary Chapel. I think about all my friends here and, and all of you guys that God has brought into our life as a direct relationship of our Christianity and our relationship with God. How about our employment, our jobs? You know, God answers prayer. We seek the Lord, we ask God, and we ask him to bless us financially and, and bless us with a job, and I believe he does that. I believe he does that. He satisfies your life with good things. This list could go on and on and on and on with uh, son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws and, and financial blessings and material blessings, tangible things in our life automobiles, homes. He fills our life with good things. He takes care of us is basically what the scripture is saying. God takes care of us. And then, I'll, and then he continues in verse 5. He says, so that the, your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, there's a tendency, there's a tendency in life as we get older to become stale and boring. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's a tendency in our life to become stale and boring. We cannot let that be. We can't let that be. The, the, the older we get, the more youthful we should become. But I, I, could, I could name names in here of people that are getting older, man, and, 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 and they're just serving the Lord. They're, they're full steam ahead. Let that be said of us as we continue throughout life. The older we get, the more we serve. Let's go out with a bang. Amen? Amen? Let's go out with a bang. Not sitting on the recliner doing nothing. You know, I want to run 
and I, and, and, and I want to finish strong. Amen? Verse 6. Verse 6 of Psalms 103. He says, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. God made himself known to the ancient patriarchs and to Israel. Well, guess what? God makes himself known to us today through Jesus Christ, through the word of God. That's why at Calvary Chapel, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the Bible because we encounter God by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit working in our hearts, but we encounter him in his word. The scripture says he holds his word above his own name. That's why we pay, we pay careful attention as we study it. Because you, you want to hear God. You ever heard God's audible voice? Here's how you can hear God's audible voice. Read your Bible out loud. And you'll hear the voice of God. His voice is in the word. His voice is in the scripture. Now verses 8 through 12. He's going to address man's greatest need. Which I, as I said a while ago. It's not more money, it's not self-esteem, it's not to make life better, but the ultimate and the greatest need of all men in this life is righteousness, is righteousness. What man needs more than anything is he's got to have a right standing with God or he's in big trouble. Let's look at verse 8. Verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. We need to remember this, okay? It needs to be implanted in our hearts and our minds who God is and how he operates. And our God, is, according to verse 8, first off, he's a merciful God. He's a merciful God. He delights in showing mercy to people that turn to him and give their heart to him. He delights in showing mercy He's also there, according to verse 8, he's a gracious God. He delights in showing grace. Grace is what? God's unmerited favor. It's his blessing. Despite us not earning it, or despite us not uh, deserving it, he gives it to us. It's, verse 8 says he's slow to anger. That word slow to anger means he's uh, long-suffering. He's patient. You know, he could, he could squat us like a fly, but he chooses to show us mercy. He's very long-suffering. And then it says, he, he repeats it in, uh, the phrase mercy again when he says in verse 8, and abounding in mercy. Again, the picture is a compassionate God. The picture in scripture is a compassionate God that delights in showing mercy for those who repent and put their trust in him. This is very important. This is very important even for the believer as you go throughout life. You know, we find ourselves sometimes on the, on the mountaintops. Sometimes we find ourselves in the valleys. And sometimes when we're in the valley, we need to remember that God is merciful. God is merciful when we humbly submit to him and we return to him. He will show us mercy, grace, um, compassion, uh, long-suffering. Then it says in verse 9, it says, He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Whoa. What angers God? There's things that anger God. There's things that anger the creator of this universe. Things that anger the creator of this universe is wickedness. 
is wickedness, evil, sin, rebellion. And I don't know about you. I'm not judging you, but I'm just looking back at my life. And that was all part of who I was. That was all part of who I was. If God dealt with us according to our sin, we'd be in hell. That's just the way it is. You know, I look back at my life, and I I remember so clearly before I came to Christ, I'm not choosing that, Christianity, because I'll have to give up this. I loved my sin. I loved my sin. I wasn't miserable in my sin. I, I, I enjoyed my sin. But what I was doing is I lived in this life of sin before I put my trust in Christ. The scripture teaches I was storing up wrath. I was storing up wrath in my rebellion. I had the iron fist. You stay out of my life. I've got nothing to do with you. I've got other things, other sin that I was given to. Hell is, 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 is justice for our rebellion. It's justice for our wickedness. It's justice for us uh, rebelling and not wanting to have nothing to do with the one who formed us. It says he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. You know, um, I think about the faithfulness of God. Man is lost, the world is fallen, and who initiates love? Who initiates the gospel? It wasn't man, it was God. It was God. It was what we're fixing to celebrate here at Christmas, that God took on flesh in Jesus of Nazareth, in in the babe in the manger, and he came, as we read a while ago in 1 John 3, 8, He came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to break the chains. And that's exactly what he does. Let's continue in verse 10. It says, uh, he has not dealt with us. God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he punished us according to our iniquities. Wow. Wow. It says says he doesn't because he delights in mercy. It says he has not dealt with us according to our sin. How does he deal with us? We just looked at it back at verse 8. He deals with us on the basis of mercy, grace, um, long-suffering, compassion. That's how he deals with his children. That's how he deals with his children. But here's the deal, though. Sin must be dealt with. Sin, all human sin, has to be dealt with according to God's word. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23, a price has to be paid. In other words, all the sin that's ever committed, let's let's make it personal, all of my sin had to be dealt with. All my lying, my lusting, my adultery, my breaking of all of his commandments, all those sins had to be dealt with. And here's how they were dealt with. They were dealt with at the cross. They They were dealt at the cross Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus paid the price for our sin. The holy demands of the law, the righteous requirements of God says sin must be punished. Sin must be dealt with. And then it says in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It had to be dealt with. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your sin problem has been dealt with at the cross. 
Amen? Amen. So the, the, the fifth reason, the final reason I present to you this morning to be thankful is this. Jesus meets our greatest need, and that greatest need is righteousness. He meets our greatest need. If he stopped right there, I'm happy. Uh, life is good. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You know, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the pudding. That's the, that's the everything. That's the cake. That's the ice cream. That he's given me righteousness. But again, as we looked at those other benefits, he gives us so much more because he's a good, good father. Let's close it out here. To, and to, to show this beautiful picture of righteousness, to show how God puts us in a right relationship with him and to show what he's done with your sin. He gives us two infinite, I like to call them infinite, eternal, uh, without end illustrations. Verse 11 and 12, look at them. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Now, the atmosphere of the earth, they say, is about 10 to 12 miles above the earth. And there, there's no defining line. There's no place where the atmosphere ends and outer space begins. At about, they say about 9 to 10 miles, the air starts becoming thin. And it slowly turns into outer space. So we got 10, 12, 13 miles from here to the edge of outer space. And then beyond outer space, you have the galaxies. Well, if you got into a space shuttle or you got, and you kept on going, my friend, you would never run into a brick wall. I've actually heard people say that. If you go far enough, you'll, you'll run into the, the end of the universe. You'll, you'll, the, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Think about that. The universe that our planet is in is endless in every direction. It goes on and on and on and on. That's mind-boggling. To think about and to think that here we are on planet Earth, we're revolving around the sun and the solar systems and the galaxies and, and, and the Andromeda galaxy and all these things. It's, it's endless in every direction. There is no end to the universe. If you go 10 trillion light year miles, well, guess what? You, you, you haven't gone anywhere. You're still in the universe. But he says in verse 11, for as for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. His mercy is that great. It's infinite. It's greater than the universe. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his mercy towards those who fear him. That's awesome. That's great news. That's the God of the Bible. That's the Lord Jesus Christ his mercy. The second infinite illustration is in verse 12. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So far has he removed our transgressions from us, our sin. He, the Bible says he forgets it. He removes it from us. I, I, I thought about this in two angles. First off, the east to the west, you know, if you follow that point, it goes forever in that direction throughout into the universe to that direction. It's, 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 it's endless. But then also thought about if you got in the airplane and you started going east, you would just keep on going. You would just keep on going east. You would never get to an end. 
Or if you went west, you just keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. So, Paul, excuse me, the psalmist, says, David is saying here in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Our God specializes in forgiveness. He, he specializes in not only forgiving us of our sin, but removing the sin. That speaks of forgiving us. It speaks of um, removing the condemnation, you know, healing our minds and healing our hearts. We all, some of, especially some of us that are older, we, we bear the scars of the past, but he brings healing. And in, in Romans 8.1, it says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit and not after the flesh. That's what I present to you this morning, is five reasons to be thankful. Amen? You know, I'm, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for my kids. Um, I'm thankful that um, we've been blessed to get away this week for a couple days down in Charleston and spend time with them. Uh, I'm thankful for so many things. I'm thankful for our, our finances. I'm, I'm thankful for everything. But most importantly, I'm thankful for Jesus. Amen? I, I encourage you this morning, um, let's, let's, let's begin this week of Thanksgiving off right. Let's be thankful to God for what he's done um, in our lives through the Lord Jesus Christ, how he's forgiven us and saved us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Psalms 103. God, help us to be thankful people. Your word, it says in Thessalonians, that it's your will that we live thankful lives for you, God. That we're thankful for all that you've done for us, for, for your bounty, for your blessing, uh, for our children, for our families, for safe travels. God, for just taking care of us. But Lord, the most important thing, help us to be thankful for is you in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.